Good morning, everyone. I'm grateful to be a part of a community where the worship leader invites anyone to stand or not if they want, and people take them up on it. It's pretty awesome to feel free to sit or stand in your worship. That's good. Just looking around the room, it's great to be in this space with you all and to share this moment with you. Uh, my name is Scott McTaggart, for those of you who don't know who I am. I'm one of the pastors with Artisan and just absolutely thrilled and uh, counted a great privilege and honor to um, share in the, uh, the sermon time this morning. And uh, I have to say, we've been going through this series on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, I'm just so grateful, again, to be part of this community, but um, knowing my brothers Nelson and Lance, uh, who've done uh, the last few or several uh, uh, messages, just knowing the integrity that they approach the Bible with and the text with, and um, they're not just throwing together stuff randomly. They're in, inten- intensely seeking God and seeking uh, the truth in Scripture, and I'm just grateful to be part of that. So thanks to you two for being faithful that way. And uh, we're going to jump right into uh, the Beatitude. It's appropriate, I think, to to feel blessing, and uh, this is the way that the uh, Sermon on the Mount starts is with this portion called the Beatitudes, and it's essentially a section of congratulations, a list of congratulations, and I wonder if you were up here in my place, if you were uh, giving the sermon this morning, um, and you were asked to form a list of congratulations, uh, who would be on that list? I wonder who, who you would think are the blessed ones, the ones that are deserving of congratulations, or maybe a better question is what is... What does the world say? Who does the world say are people that are blessed or congratulations are deserved? Um, Maybe people with happy news, maybe people with great achievements, a raise at your work, a wedding, business upgrade or a success. Um, The point being, Jesus' list is different. And it was radically different even for the first century hearers. Um, Take this Jewish blessing for example, and first, actually, let's go to this word because this is important, um, makarios. If you've been here, this is now the seventh week in the Sermon on the Mount series. Uh, Nelson talked about this word, makarios. This is the word for blessing. And it was kind of a common word. Like, so to go around town in first century, uh, uh, the Middle East area, you'd use this word, maybe makarios. Uh, to, uh, to say congratulations for things. Hey, your, your wife had a baby. Makarios, congratulations. Or hey, you won that softball game. Makarios, Justin. <laughs> or maybe you had a good, something went well in your life. Makarios. Or maybe it was a bit sarcastic, like, yeah, you're awesome. Makarios, way to go. Good job. It could be kind of used uh, both ways, but it was a really common word. So Jesus takes this word and he starts, he forms the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount with this list of, and the best word we have in the English is congratulations, makarios. And this is, a, this is a first century Jewish blessing that is actually a bit different than uh, the list that we read at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Let's take a look at it. I can think of nine whom I would call blessed, or nine who would deserve congratulations, and a tenth, my tongue, compl- tongue proclaims. A man who can rejoice in his children. So first a man, 
Congratulations to the men. Um, rejoicing in his children, a man who lives to see the downfall of his foes. So this is a man who is killing it and has defeated all other foes in business and in life. He stands above them. He's also a happy man because he lives with a sensible wife, which, you know, that's just such a great thing. Congratulations. Uh, And the one who does not plow with ox and ass together because that's just horrible. Happy is the one, congratulations to the one who does not sin with the tongue and the one who has not served an inferior. So again, maybe this is a businessman at the top of his game. He's killing it. He's not serving people. He is being served. Next slide. Happy or congratulations to the one who finds a friend, uh, the one who speaks to attentive listeners. You've got lots of friends, maybe even just killing it in social media, lots of followers, lots of likes, attentive listeners. How great is the one who finds wisdom, but none is superior to the one who fears the Lord. Fear of the Lord surpasses everything. To whom can we compare the one who has it? This is from Sirach, and um, it's a first century blessing. And not all of these things are entirely bad or taken out of context, horrible things. But the point being, Jesus' list is different. And I want to remind us of this as we head into uh, the, the seventh beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers. And so just to remind us all and to bring us on the same page, I thought it would be helpful to read this paraphrase uh, of the Beatitudes. This is not a, a scholar version of the Beatitudes. This is a paraphrase, but I think it's very powerful. So let's just, can we sit with this? There's quite a few slides here, but it's the, a paraphrase of the Beatitudes. Who G- Jesus blesses or congratulates. So let's hear this as good news and celebrate in Jesus' list. Blessed are the down and out, the unemployed and underemployed, those getting gentrified, those on the wrong side of globalization, those without a college degree or health insurance, and those who are spiritually simple, who really have very little to offer because they are in the kingdom of God. Blessed are the sad, the depressed, those grieving the death of a loved one, the failure of a marriage, another miscarriage, the pain of your genogram, the racism of our nation, because one day God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Blessed are the quiet, the shy, the socially awkward, the uncool, the badly dressed, the people with six followers on Twitter, because one day they will be free from the tyranny of what others think of them and they will take up their role as king or queen over God's world. Blessed are the messed up, those who just can't get it together, the addict, the mentally unstable, the overweight, those from an abusive home, for they will one day be so full of God's life they won't know where to put it all. Blessed is the little guy, the people who get stamped on, passed over, and they don't fight violence with violence, one day they will get all that mercy back with interest. Blessed are those who want nothing to do with war, but who know the true source of peace and prosperity isn't a gun or an army, and they are willing to suffer to bring a new world to bear. One day in the future, everybody will recognize that they are the most like God. 
West or all the Christians in a post-Christian culture that is hostile to all they believe, even though they are made fun of, looked down on as stupid and mean and behind the times, they get to share in the cross-shaped life of Jesus and the kingdom of God. Thanks be to God. His list is better. And so today we come to the seventh beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's pray and ask for help. God, I thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time that we have to sit under your scripture. And I don't know how everyone comes to this place and comes to this moment, but I ask, Lord, that we could be united by your spirit and uh, hear your word uh, penetrate our hearts and to make sense for us and that we can find uh, an invitation in here today to be peacemakers. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, this topic of peacemakers is not one that's foreign to us. We've spent a lot of time uh, in this topic. We spent uh, a couple weeks in a series called Calling All Peacemakers. I don't know if you remember this, but it's worth going back. It's on the podcast. You can go to the website, check it out, three sermons there. And then uh, a couple months ago, we had a Sunday called Renewal Sunday. I don't know if you remember this, but basically stories of peacemaking. And uh, maybe the question is, why are we on about this so much? Why do we talk about peacemaking and renewal, reconciliation? Why is this such a big deal? Uh, And I think one of the main reasons is because it's tied very deeply to our identity as a church community, our mandate as a church. The thing that, that we say is why we exist as a church community is to join God in the renewal of all things. Peacemaking is also deeply tied to a specific word, a word that I want to talk about today with you. You might guess what that word is. Um, Jesus. If you said Jesus, you would be right. That's not the word I'm thinking of, but the word I'm thinking of is uh, shalom. Shalom, defined as God's design for creation and redemption. Universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. The way things ought to be, or everything in its right place. My mustache, for example, could be a a picture of shalom. (laughs) Or it could be a picture of the fall, depending on how you look at it. I'll just let that sit with you for a little bit. For those of you far away, just take a minute to adjust your eyes. Okay, there we go. Um, unfortunately, this picture of shalom, everything in its right place, is not our reality. At least it's not fully our reality. Um, Cornelius planting a junior. I had to mention him in the sermon just because the name is fun to say. Cornelius planting a junior. He wrote this book called Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, a Breviary of Sin. Brilliant book. And in it, he refers to sin as the vandalism of shalom. The vandalism of shalom. So if shalom on one hand is universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, everything in its right place, then sin is the opposite. Uh, He says in his book, sin is the longest running of human emergencies. Two quotes from his book here. 
Annoyances, regrets, and miseries trouble us in all the old familiar ways, but none of these troubles matter as much as sin. The reason is that sin distorts our character, a central feature of our very humanity. Sin corrupts powerful human capacities, thought, emotion, speech, and act, so that they become centers of attack on others or of defection or neglect. Here's another one. Sin, moreover, lies at the root of such big miseries as loneliness, restlessness, estrangement, shame, and meaninglessness. In fact, sin typically both causes and results from misery. And maybe you've felt the, uh, the effects of sin in your life or in our world. I mean, the, the list goes on uh, forever, but just a few things that startled me this week in preparing for this sermon. Uh, first, this picture. I just cannot believe that this is uh, a part of our reality, that schools are doing active shooter drills. I grew up in a school where we did earthquake drills and fire drills, but this is our reality. Preparing kids for if someone comes in with a gun shooting. I also read this article this week The world is better than ever. Why are we miserable? And just an excerpt from the article. Everything is amazing and we're all sad. By every metric, we are living in the golden age of humanity. Why then is there so much profound discontent, depression, drug abuse, despair, addiction, and loneliness in our advanced liberal societies? So we have slowly and surely attained more progress. We have lost something that undergirds all of it meaning, cohesion, and a different, deeper kind of happiness than the satiation of all our earthly needs. The article talks about um, technology and how it relates to our unhappiness and our disconnection from the world. The illusion of connection is there, but not really. This just kind of jarred me this week. I don't know if you heard about the airstrikes that were happening in Damascus. Um, Damascus is the top location. The bottom location, does anyone know what that location symbolizes or anyone have an idea? This, this is where they believe Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. Less than 100 kilometers away from destruction and war, missiles being dropped. I think it's okay to say that the world is not okay. It's okay to say it. This is uh, freedom for me, good news for me, because as an optimist, eternal optimist, and you know everything's okay, I think it's good to grieve. It's good to lament these things. Every sin, every effect of sin, every miscarriage, every stillborn child, every broken family relationship, Every failed business, every cancer diagnosis, every failed marriage, every lonely person, every theft, every break-in. Lord, help us. 
this week I just felt freedom to embrace the, the lament. And I think as a church community, this is a safe place to do that. And before moving on, because there is good news, but I think sometimes we can move too quickly to it, or at least I can. Um, Psalm 44 is a lament <clears throat> and gives us permission to say these things or ask the big questions. Awake, Lord, the psalmist writes. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. I was encouraged by this song this week. Uh, It's kind of a modern lament by the brilliance called Does Your Heart Break? It's a lament to God. The words are, When the walls fell and the hungry child cried out for help, did you hear the sound? Did your heart break? Does your heart break now? Cannot feel it in my soul. Cannot see you. I'm alone. Can the blind have sight? Have sight? When you see us all alone, can you hear your people, Lord? Can the blind have sight? Have sight. Maybe just a minute, just to rest in that and to sit in that. Thankfully, there is a way forward and there is a hope. And part of our belief is that the story arc of Scripture is moving towards shalom in the midst of all the vandalisms, all the hurt and the pain. There there is movement towards shalom. There's movement toward healing. There's a, a hope that Christ is making everything new. Revelation 21, that through Jesus, God is reconciling all things to himself. Colossians 1. And maybe this will help you. I know it helps me, but picture this line as the story of humanity. And this is the biblical story. So at the beginning is creation. And this explains how the world ought to be. Then in the four-part story, and you may have heard of this or gone through this or heard it preached from here, is the fall. Fall is explaining how the world is, the, the vandalism of shalom, all the hurt and the pain. Then the story moves toward a redemption. Jesus, we sang this morning, God with us. He came into our world to be with us, to take on the vandalism redemption, and then restoration explains how the world will be, a future hope, a a glory that we cannot understand or fathom now, but is our, our future reality. And we exist here in the dotted lines between the cross and restoration, or as some people refer to it as the now and not yet. God's kingdom now he announced this at the beginning of this gospel, Matthew's gospel. The kingdom is here. 
The kingdom is here. Turn toward God and receive this good news. The kingdom is here. But the kingdom is not fully revealed. It's not fully here yet. So we exist here somewhere in the now and the not yet. And I found this great quote, and you actually all have it. And this is, uh, we're going to read this together. But on your chair Bibles, go to the back page. Can I steal one of these? The, just the very back cover uh, of your lovely uh, 2002 Windows Bibles. But, but check this out right here. I think is a good explanation of the biblical narrative. And you can go back to that other side there where we find ourselves. So the Bible is the true story of God and his plan to set the world right again. Restoration. It began many years ago in a garden where there was life and peace, no bitterness or pain or lying or loss, just a beautiful relationship between the creator God and his creation. The story is headed toward another garden, this time in a city. The new garden will be even better than the original. Gardens, cities, peoples, relationships, everything in creation healed. Amen. This collection of books tells the story between those gardens. Humans rejected the creator, bringing death and wrongdoing into the world. But the creator didn't give up. He was committed to the story and he was committed to redemption. So the creator did something unexpected. Dun, dun, dun. And you have to read the rest to find out, I guess. So plug for the Bible. Check it out. Oh, and we, isn't it true that we exist in between these two gardens? Where in the now and the not yet. We see glimpses of, of his kingdom, but not fully. And this is where we receive the call to be peacemakers, to be shalom bringers. And this is different. Peacemakers is different than peacekeepers, or yet different than peace seekers or even peace lovers. You could be all those things, and those are great, but the call is to be a peacemaker. And I think it's a much more difficult call than not just being a keeper or a seeker or a lover, but a maker. Emphasis on making. Peacemaking as a creative act. I love this guy, Shane Claiborne, and I love a lot of people who are totally different than me. This is one guy that is totally different from me, and I just love how radical he is how he takes the message of Jesus and applies it to his life right away. I wish I had more courage like Shane Claiborne. Years back, he did this thing, uh, weapons conversion, he called it. And he took seriously this passage from Isaiah, and they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks from Isaiah. He took that seriously, and he started this project where he took weapons and made them into gardening tools. So this picture is an AK-47 and a rifle, and he made it into a shovel and a fork for gardening. And then it started this movement. People started doing the same thing and sending him pictures of glocks and things that they made into spades and garden tools. I love it. This is, peace. This is peacemaking. Peacemaking. Um, I mentioned a few... Um, uh, a few months ago, we had a Sunday where it was Renewal Sunday. We call it Renewal Sunday. I, I think in many ways it was a peacemaking Sunday or story, uh, stories about peacemaking. And um, it was so awesome. 
Do you, do you remember that Sunday? How many of you were here? Okay, like five people? Oh, wow. Okay. And that's okay. That, then I can share about it. But um, the, a lot of people shared about things that are happening in this community, glimpses of where the kingdom is at work here in Vancouver. And I loved it, getting to hear different stories. Uh, and it was so good that, that we ran out of time and we didn't get everyone uh, to share. And so in, that, in the spirit of continuing Renewal Sunday, um, I, I pulled one of the people off the list and she's going to come and share a little bit of what, how the kingdom's breaking into our reality Charlotte Browning, come on. Yeah. This is for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a microphone. Have you used one? I have used a microphone. Okay, cool. There we go. Um, So I was really interested in Charlotte and her work here in Vancouver and just how it relates to shalom bringing. Bringing... uh, help bringing healing and so I asked her to share a little bit of what she does in the city and how does it relate to all this that we're talking about is that enough to go from yeah I think so yeah it's a lot of pressure coming after Shane Claiborne right I would do my best to just share about our little I did that purposely oh did you and I feel the same way Shane Claiborne Charlotte Browning (laughs) the scum and tiger anyway Um, Yeah, so I run a program. It's a program of Youth Unlimited, but it's called Creative Life. Uh, And Creative Life is a community arts initiative. Sorry, art. 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 Just just roll with it. (laughs) But it's a community arts initiative um, that works with youth on the margins here in East Van. And it creates opportunities in a safe space uh, for youth to be able to experience creative discovery um, and enable them to find belonging and through this get a sense of purpose, passion, assets, um, and kind of where they're going. So I started Creative Life because of the assets that I saw were really present in the youth of this community, um, who display immense creativity, resilience, um, and also with powerful stories that can affect change in their own life and the lives of their community. So everything we do is inspired by the core belief that we are all made in the image of God. And we get the privilege of coming alongside the youth and drawing out their gifts and their God colors. So as youth develop skills and they experience belonging and community, it enables them to make new decisions about who they are as well as who they want to be. And we get, a part, we get to be a part of the restoration and the new life that springs forth as they discover who God created them to be uh, with purpose and, and able to affect change not only in their own life but in the community as well. And I really love that art is low barrier and it gets us to work together. As staff and volunteers, it takes away the power dynamic that's sometimes present in in charity work. And sometimes it feels a little bit more like a family, as as messy and complicated as it is. Instead, we learn together, we learn from another, we create alongside each other. And for youth that are caught in the system, that's really empowering and dignifying. And it also invites us as staff and volunteers into that transformation. So as a quick little overview, we uh, bring in community artists that facilitate workshops and skill building. Uh, We host community meals and we eat together. We have open studio times and that kind of thing. Uh, And we take community uh, art into community spaces as well. Um, And then we do murals and exhibitions and have leadership opportunities and that kind of thing. That's awesome. Thank you. And I want to say the words of Jesus to you. Congratulations (laughs) for making peace. 
and uh, bringing shalom. I think that's awesome. And what's the, what's the other part of that beatitude? For they shall be called children of God. You're a child of God. And by participating in this, you're, you're doing the work of God. Restoration. I love it. It's amazing. And I also love how you mentioned, um, you know, peacemaking. It sounds so awesome and great and la-di-da, but it's really hard work. And uh, maybe uh, do, you, do you have a story or something you can share a little bit about the difficulty of peacemaking or the challenge of peacemaking? Totally. <laughs> Lots of stories about that. Um, no, just like I said, it's, it's, it's family. It's, it's long-term transformational uh, work. Um, so like a lot of the youth that I've seen great transformation in, I've been journeying with them for 10 years through the ups and downs and the highs and the lows. Um, and so that brings a lot of challenges as well. Um, yeah, also just being in, in the Downton East Side in East Vancouver, seeing the cycles of poverty and addiction uh, and systematic oppression um, is, is heartbreaking. Um, you know, being, but being able to journey with youth and to see flourishing and see transformation and then having them caught up in those cycles is really difficult. Mm. Um, also, relationships are messy. I'm messy, I'm broken, um, and we're entering into this, this journey and community together. Um, so often my own bro- brokenness and pride uh, can affect the ways that uh, we seek to bring transformation and wholeness in the ways that we do in community. So that's always humbling. Um, and then I was talking to you about a bunch about it, but you know this was a vision that God gave me. Um, but it's not, you know, five years in, I'm not necessarily where we I thought we would be. Uh, when you have a clear vision from your God, you kind of think of this glorious thing that will come to be. Um, but it's still messy. It's still challenging. Still weeks that we show up, and there's only two youth that come. Still weeks that I don't get a full paycheck. Um, but it's trusting God that this is. This is good that he is present, that he's in it, and learning how to trust him in that, um, and allowing us to continue hear from him and be transformed by yeah, him. It's awesome. I I love that part. And when we were we met up this week to talk a little bit about creative life and what Charlotte does there, and she just kind of glanced over the fact that she's like, oh, yeah, I got a vision from God, and then I did it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second. You got a vision from God about this, and yeah, you clearly felt like God was saying to do this, and that, I don't think that's incredible. Do you, do you want to say anything more about what the calling looked like at the time, or where, how did you receive that? When you, was it audible voice, or was it uh, a note under the door? How did God reveal his vision to you? Yeah, uh, I mean, it was a long time ago now, but um, yeah, I was, I was doing a Lectio Divina on Gideon, and there was uh, in the nice little message solo book, uh, had a question that was, what is something so big that you'd have to trust God um, to see it kind of come through? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a visionary leader at all, actually. Um, and so starting this as a six on the Enneagram was the scariest thing ever because I just had a f- complete fear of failure uh, in it all. Um, but I had a really clear vision from God with some nice little bullet points and kind of like what this would look like and how it would come to be. Um, and it was at the point that I had been uh, in Canada and working at a church and with Youth Unlimited for about five years and was trying to figure out if I would return to the motherland or not. Mm. Um, so it was kind of in that in-between stage of like, God, what's next? What do you got for me? And that's where it came from. It's amazing. Um, what do you need 
Uh, Do you want me to tell a story? Sure. Do you want to hear a story? Okay. They want to hear a story. Okay, great. Yeah. I mean, I'd prepared one. And so. Okay, perfect. <laughs> but it, not too long. Yeah. Um, but if you go to the first slide, there's a nice little picture by Brittany Burner, of course. Um, yeah, so there's, there's heaps of stories that I could share about uh, the transformation and uh, things that we have seen of youth kind of having renewal. Um, but one story that's very much still unfolding, but that I take delight in, is about a girl called Clara. And we've watched as a light has uh, slowly seeped through her dark exterior, um, a softness overcoming toughness. So Clara had been coming to Creative Life for about six months, uh, and she would show up. Um, and during that period, I wondered what was it that kept bringing her back, because it seemed unapparent. She would regularly pick fights, um, she'd give us lots of cold looks, harsh words, and storming out was kind of the regular. But she kept showing up multiple times, week after week, uh, and she had shared with us, I like the free art supplies at Creative Life. I've just given up on people. I don't like people. You can't trust them. But I remember the day that I found her sitting in a, a pile of mismatched material uh, with beads and paint, and I saw her come, of come alive full of wonder and excitement at the possibilities that lay before her. She set out to bring new life to these discarded materials. Cutting and reworking and adding color, she crafted a piece of beauty, all the while sharing dreams and hopes that we had not yet had the privilege of being let into. I was left that week savoring that moment, but I just didn't know what I'd find the following week. But Clara returned on Monday with a new lightness, as if a great weight had been lifted or she had just discovered a new truth. Consistently, she's engaged others with respect, and she seems no longer afraid to express enjoyment. Trust has been built. She knows she has a safe place, that she is loved, and in this, I've seen her experience freedom. What does that say on the art piece? There are boundaries to all of our worlds. Hmm. What do you think that means? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. She's deep, yeah, she's profound. Um, back to my other question, what, what do you need, or someone's hearing this, they're like, hey, that sounds interesting, how could I help out or get involved? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, so if you want to journey with us, if you want to volunteer with us, uh, we're particularly looking for people that want to teach uh, art workshops, so come and chat to me, um, but also, yeah, follow along with us, uh, you can find us on Instagram, uh, check out our website, Creative Life creative-life.ca. Um, if you want to partner with us financially, always happy for that as well. Great. Congratulations. Give it up for Charlotte. I love the, I just love the reality of even though God gives a vision that it is hard work, peacemaking is hard work, uh, and I think of this quote by Frederick Dale Bruner, theologian. Peacemaking for Christians is defined by the life and death of Jesus. The way Jesus does peace shapes the way we do it. This way is rough. This way is rough. I think we're going to wrap it up right there. There's a lot more that I could say. 
Um, but uh, just want to let that sit with us, the call to be a peacemaker. What does that look like? Perhaps one way God is calling us to be peacemakers is uh, to join him in the ministry of reconciliation. Second Corinthians talks about this in chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, who is in Christ? The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We're in between the gardens. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I think this is amazing. This is good news. It's a deep, deep responsibility, but it's amazing that God would invite us to work alongside him, to join him in this project. It continues to say um, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might have become the righteousness of God. Thanks be to God. In the, in the coming uh, weeks, we're going to be continuing on this trajectory of peacemaking. And although it may not be explicitly mentioned, um, in the Sermon on the Mount, this kind of sets up a bit of a theme happening here. We're going to see peacemaking as it applies to controlling anger, peacemaking or shalom bringing, infidelity in marriage, or love of enemies. So keep this in the back of your minds as we continue to go through the series and the Sermon on the Mount and hearing Jesus' words. And um, yeah, congratulations, those of you who are working to bring peace. Uh, And I think the really good news is that we join God, yes, and a big part of our mandate and our emphasis is we join God. And it's, it can sometimes sound like work, 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 then, then you'll be good. That's not at all the message. And in fact, we join him, but he also, he also joins us. He comes alongside us. Jesus calls you by name and wants to come to you and help you in this project. And I think that's good news. As we come to the table, I just want to read these words from James K.A. Smith. I think are really helpful. The last quote there. Thanks. Uh, one before. In a broken, fragmented world, the church is called to be the first fruits of a new creation by embodying a reconciled community. And the way we begin to learn that is at the communion table. The habits and practices of examination and reconciliation that are part of the Eucharist are like training wheels meant to let us try out forgiveness and reconciliation. And in this respect, the Eucharist is just a macrocosm of what the church is called to be as the new humanity, a community that gathers irrespective of preferences, tastes, class, or ethnicity in order to pursue a common good. Let's respond by saying the table liturgy together.